Hey, everybody. Welcome to Inside Situation, a bi-weekly podcast where we share with you some of the conversations we're having inside the agency. I'm Peter Yajisik, the head of technology at Situation, and I am joined this week by John Howells, our associate creative director. Hello, John. Hey, Peter. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And uh, we also have with us today, returning for her, I think, her second time on the podcast, third time, oh, bad host, uh, Lisa Cicchini, our vice president of Media and Insights. Welcome back, Lisa. Hi, Peter. Hi. Thank you guys so much for being here in Situation Studios, which is what I call my office when we <laughs> convert it to record. Uh, full tr- full disclosure. Uh, so the, the conversation that I wanted to have today with the two of you, who I can't think of any better people to be part of this conversation, is kind of uh, about management and about being a manager in a creative agency. And specifically, uh, some of the tools that we use here at Situation when we are kind of onboarding new people. Uh, one of our audiences for the the podcast, people that listen to the podcast a lot, are people who might be interested in working here. So I thought that it might be good for them and for others who uh, may work in a creative field to kind of get our viewpoint on you know what it's like to bring somebody into a, a creative atmosphere as crazy as ours, and some of the challenges and some of the things that we find successful. Specifically, uh, you know, I think we're going to dive into our thirty, sixty, ninety approach, which is not all about triangles, but that's what I first thought when I first heard it. Um, math joke, everybody. But uh, more describes kind of setting goals for people in their first 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days, and how those work. But before we dive into that conversation, uh, Lisa, why don't we start with you? Can you just let everyone who hasn't listened to you on the two previous times you've been on the podcast, let them know what you do here at Situation? Sure. Um, so I oversee the media planners in the agency, media trafficking, search engine marketing, and then anything that kind of falls under Google Analytics, data insights, surveying, research. Those are kind of the buckets that I oversee. And how how many people are on your team, direct reports and, and subdirects, I guess? Well, direct reports, too. But overall, I'm the, using my fingers There are fingers count. happening for our <laughs> listeners. Eight. Eight. That's a lot. That's yes, a lot of people. it is. A lot of fabulous people. A lot of fabulous people. I would agree with that. And John, uh, as the associate creative director, you are an amazing visual designer, graphic designer, all things designer. You are, you are so talented. But then we make you actually manage people. Why do is that? Do you enjoy doing that as part of your job? Well, you know, yeah, actually, um, that's kind of where my focus has gone over the past four or five years of being here at Situation. Um, When I started, it was strictly design, and um, and we got into a little bit more art direction, and it just grew into this position I'm in now. And now Boss Man is part of your daily responsibility. Yeah. Has that been a hard transition? No. It was a very natural transition and a surprising one. I mean, I've always been a control freak, so I always felt felt it would be a natural progression, but I actually – really do enjoy managing and mentoring and, you know, just being able to give people maybe a, a, a chance really to, to just kind of blossom and be great designers, be great writers and things like that. Well, I don't want to speak for Lisa, but I, I can certainly identify with being a control freak myself. I assume I, I have a feeling all three of us fall, could fall into that camp. So this should be what? a really, this should be a really <laughs> Nobody interesting Nobody has ever said that about me ever. <laughs> JK. Uh, so, but the so, but it's not. Uh, 
management isn't for everybody. And I, and I think maybe we can talk about this for a second. As, as, through the agency, through the years that I've been here, sometimes you find people that are just really good at what they do and they have no desire to manage other people. They just want to be the best uh, artist or illustrator or, or developer or media analyst that they can possibly be. And they don't want the headache of actually nurturing people and giving feedback because it takes a lot of energy. So why, why is it either one of you, what, what do you enjoy about it? When, when you, I, and I will say this, you are both exceptionally capable at the, the actual work that you do, but you, you want to layer on this management on top of it. Why do you, why do you like it? Well, I, I just to back up for a second, I do want to say that if you do know that you want to just do this skill and not manage people, I just want to say that's okay. It's yes. actually fantastic. That's what you want to do. I think there's this perception that you're not succeeding unless you're managing people. And I personally just don't think that's true. Right. It is not for everyone. And if you're not managing people, it doesn't mean that you're not successful. So I just want to get rid of that no thing that's out there. Um and now I've forgotten what the original question was. No, no. I, well, I'm I just had to get on the soapbox for a second. I'm glad that you brought that up because I think it can be very tempting to pigeonhole people and say the only way to rise at, a, at an organization is to become a manager. And sometimes I think I've seen where we've tried to force people into that role and it is just not – I mean there's, there, there's something good about making people stretch, right, about pushing people. And I think we'll of talk course. a little bit more about that in, in goal setting in general. So you kind of want people to live a little bit in their discomfort zone. But if, if, it ain't, if it's not meant to be in terms of managing other people, you, you, you can't really force that. I think it's like – uh, you know, like being president, you have to be, uh, if you run for president of the United States, you kind of have to have an ego to match thinking that you deserve to be president. Uh, if you know, you can't just accidentally stumble into that. Like, and right. Interestingly, on a podcast note, there's a fabulous podcast right now called presidential that Sarah Shepard in our office told me about. And it's taking each president, um, starting with the first Sunday in January and doing a president a week. And it just happens to be four, four weeks leading up to election day. And there's been 44 presidents. So it's going through each president. And basically the theme has been for the people who have become president who really didn't want to be president. Mm -hmm. They did not succeed. And there right. have been plenty of presidents that we've had that got pressured into it by people in their party or people in their family or whatever. And that's why they ran. Those people often not succeed. It was the people who really wanted it, like a Teddy Roosevelt, for example. And I'm not trying to get political. I'm just saying him as a, an example of someone who really, really wanted it. Obviously, he just – I'm going on a totally president nerd yeah, um, but yeah, McKinley, of course, passed away in office. He was shot. So he, Teddy Roosevelt became president by default, but that was mentally his ultimate ambition. And he succeeded in accomplishing a lot, whether you agreed with what he did or not. He accomplished a lot because he really wanted it. So I think there's just parallels there. And I just got on a president tangent that you'll probably edit out later. Did, did you, <laughs> did you know, when did you know that you wanted to manage other people? When did you know you wanted to be a manager? Um, or do you want to be president? <laughs> no, I'm too indecisive. Um, you know, I've always just been, so, I mean, anybody who knows me know that knows that I've been, I was born old. Like I just have an old soul. I mean, I was babysitting at the age of 10. Like people thought they could leave their children with me when I was only 10 years old. So I think it just speaks to my personality that I've always been, um, a nurturer, um, and just, older than my numerical age. So it kind of naturally, I think, fit my personality. John, does any of that resonate with you? Did you recognize something in yourself that whether you had the ambition to do so or just did people come to you and say, tell us what to do? 
<laughs> well, naturally, I've always leaned towards being an art director versus a designer. So a designer, you're, desi- you're literally designing, and an art director is taking a look at the work that the designer has created and making sure that it's suitable to go out. Is it within brand standards? Things like that. I've always naturally gravitated towards that. I mean, I can remember classes in college where I would – you know, it'd, it'd be a senior project and everyone's presenting and there I am providing more feedback than the instructor. And at that point, you know, it, everyone hated me then. I'm, you know, <laughs> but now, you know, that turned out. Now to you be, get paid to do it. Yeah, <laughs> right. now, now I get paid to be hated. No, don't put that in there. Um, no, that, that makes sense. And and so, you know, the when we talk about, uh, you know, the number of people that we have here at Situation and kind of how we want to grow the agency and continue to grow it. What's kind of vital to that conversation, and we've touched on this in other podcasts, uh, is we have to have some structures in place or we'll go crazy. Because when you have a certain number of people autonomously that you are trusting to do what they need to do to get their stuff done, there's only so many hours in the day of any manager to kind of stand over the shoulder and make sure that it's going right. So we have we have tools. We invest in tools. We work with our HR department to bring things to the table that should, in theory, not just create bureaucracy, but which should help us be able to do more with less energy. And I think one of those is the idea of setting goals for someone. So specifically, when we bring somebody in to the agency, you know, we, we sit them down right away and we try to manage, we try to set expectations and goals to say within 30 days, we anticipate that you will be, these will be the things you will have done so far within 60 days. Here's another set of things that we would layer into it in 90 days. How, how long have you guys been using this method with the people that report to you? I've been using it, I think now for probably a year. Um, what I like about it is that it really does set an expectation for a new employee in terms of the first 30 days, in terms of the basic things they need to learn. Um, you know, whether that is our the, – the way we stage our projects, meaning the way we present the them tools to our clients, use. the tools we use, um, sort of those things. I think it um, – really helps them maintain a focus so you're not running around thinking, well, how do I measure my performance in 30 days? Do they like what I'm doing? Am I, am I doing a good job? And um, so it sort of calms the nerves a little bit in, the, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Lisa, what about you? Is it uh, about a year? How long have you been using the official 30, 60, 90 method? Also about a year. And I think it's a, a really fantastic. I don't know whose brainchild it was um, to introduce this document to the agency, but really hats off to them. It's been really great as we in the media team, we've onboarded quite a few people in the last year and have found it immensely helpful. One, because tra- training's hard, training somebody new coming in and you want to do a good job. You want to make sure that someone succeeds. You want to make sure that they start strong and you're really setting the tone for the whole relationship that you're going to have with this person in the the early days of the relationship, just like they say, you know, a first impression and how powerful that is. So it's the same concept and we really want to do it correctly. So I find the 30, 60, 90, not only beneficial for the new employee, 
but also for us as the managers to make sure that we're staying on track with what we need to make sure that they know. Because if it comes time for the 30-day check-in and we're reviewing the list of things and they haven't succeeded in reaching all those goals, that's not just on them, that's on us. Because we missed a step somewhere. We didn't communicate something clearly. We didn't emphasize it enough. We didn't go over it as enough times as we should have. So it's, it's a checks and balances both ways. And I find that really beneficial. So, so it, it forces you as a manager to give some thought to what just by, by enumerating literally those number of days, you have to think about that if you haven't before. And you have to say, here's, you know, it, you are owning a piece of helping the person achieve those goals that you set. Right. And it's it's a living, breathing document because we've certainly on the media team put things down and thought, oh, yes, by 60 days, you'll absolutely be able to get there. And then 45 days are looking in and we're like, that was crazy. Like, there's no way we can expect somebody to know how to do this in 60 days. So it's a moving document um, and it can adjust when we have the check-ins at each of the time periods to move things around, to shift. Um, so it's not it's not a rigid type thing. And if things come up in those first 30 days that, you know, I mean, every every team member is different and, and people have different needs. So if there's there's always different points that are custom to that specific person's 30, 60, day, 90 plan that we, we, we add on the fly. Yeah. How, how much of the 30, 60, 90 would you say is in place on day zero? Is, is it, do you, I mean, obviously, like you said, John, it's going to evolve. You both said this, it's going to turn into a living document, I think somewhat based on what you learned about that person. And so, you know, at 30 days, you might be filling out some more things for 60 and 90, but, but I've, my two questions are how, how detailed is it on day zero for any given person coming in? And my second question is, are there, are, are there certain things that are just common across all the roles on your team and or across all the roles in the agency? Are there certain things on everybody's 30, 60, 90? Well, on the ones for the creative for the creative team, there's there's a lot of the tools we use that are requirements that by day 30, you should know how to use this tool because this is how you're going to have to work every day. Right. Um, I try to keep the 30-day goals to tangible tasks. So by say 90, you're, you're at like, well, you should know every, you should more than know everyone's name by then. Mm-hmm. You should be a part of the culture contributing. I see. Um, but the 30 days for, for, for my team are very like, I guess you'd call them easily check offable yeah. or, yeah, or like, tactical. Yes. Tactical, tactical things. Yeah. 60 days where we get into it, where we're like, okay, now we're going to, yeah, the, the the way I look at it is if you're coming in with a certain skill set, so you have that, right? That that on its own, you're coming in with a certain amount of experience. That that's going to be inherent in you. Yeah. So here are the things in the first thirty days that we really need to tell you that is going to help you succeed here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at sixty days, we can we 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 talk a little bit more about how you can bring the tactical and those professional skill sets together to see whether you're going to succeed here overall. Interesting. Yeah, I mean in that in that sense it almost not that I've been through this but it kind of reminds sounds like boot camp, you know, for the armed forces like 
in the first in the first in that in as, as I've been told or seen in movies in that in, <laughs> in, in super as I saw in Forrest Gump uh, no but in in that first period it's all about the mechanical it's all about kind of they strip away your identity and they just make you really good at the tasks whether it's disassembling a rifle or cleaning your barracks or whatever so that that is all second nature by the time they have to engage your higher level thinking or some of the other stuff. So on, on some levels, I'm maybe it's not the best parallel, but I, I think it is, you know, you don't have to try and prove yourself in the first 30 days. There's going to be plenty of time for that. Spend the time to understand how to do the mechanics of just being here on time, getting into the systems we use, organizing your files in the right way so that it's not a mess. Right. And then, you know, that that is all we need you to get really good at in, in the first 30 days. Lisa, would you agree with that? Yes, I would say the media documents are structured very similarly in that the first 30 days is really about being comfortable here and understanding how our process works, understanding how to use the server, where things are, where to find the resources and documents you need. I always put as the first thing on our documents um, under 30 days is observe company time and attendance policy because I'm a stickler for being on time. Um, So I always have that as the first thing. So, And that's usually something everyone can succeed at really easily in the first 30 days. So it's also a positive first thing. Like, yeah, I got that because – Hopefully everyone's capable of showing up at 930. Well, and I like that you put it first because I think that's one of the things that can be deceptive about, you know, the casual atmosphere that Damien kind of allows us to have here is that it can – some people can interpret that as sloppy or, or – Lax. Lax. And, and it's, the, I always try to equate it like – it's like a school of fish. You, you know, you, the school of fish swimming in the ocean, uh, somehow they all know when to turn at the same time. But 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 independently, it can seem like a very calm thing. But you have there's something about being intuitively knowing when you can be lax and the things not to do. Like for Lisa, it's don't come in 15 minutes late every day because that's just going to be an indicator to her that that that's your that's not the tone she's creating for that team. Right. One other interesting thing about. The, the what we've seen with the 30, 60, 90 on the media side is that we've used the document now to onboard two different traffickers and two different planners. And I believe in both circumstances, since doing it the first time, new skills, you now have to know, know how to do this because the job is constantly evolving and what you need to know how to do is constantly changing in the digital space. So we can't even reuse the same document from the last person that held that position when we used it because it, it needs to be updated all the time. So I just think that's a really interesting thing about our world in particular in digital is it's just constantly changing. And that even comes down to how you onboard somebody is is shifting all the time. Yeah. And, and focusing them in, in different directions and tweaking it for new roles that maybe have never existed here before. How are you going to judge that person against that? Uh, so, you know, it sounds like the you both find it to be a valuable tool playing devil's advocate for a second though do you think tools like that are required to be a good manager one one could argue that if you're just an inherently great manager you don't need all this bureaucracy you can just kind of wing it how do you, do you guys buy into that i don't know that i i, I don't I think, think we I are do. still winging it <laughs> yeah yeah well you know when when i started here as a manager my team was two or three people and I think the larger it gets, mm. the more difficult it is to ha- give that personal attention. When I had, you know, like even five people just to manage, I could manage them personally all day long. 
and it was effective. Um, and I could, I still had enough time to do my own job. Uh, you know, the, the, the design aspect of my job, but now as it's grown and I've, I've taken on, uh, an entirely new team, which is the, the, the content team. It was, it's, it's helpful to have these documents because mm. it really does help me measure their performance and, and really see how it stacks up against, um, similar positions. So, so for scale, I can totally get that. Do you, so if you were to go off tomorrow and, uh, you know, create a startup, you know, your own company and you, you were back to kind of managing fewer people, would you bring some, would you bring this tool specifically out of the gate? Or do do you think, I guess my question is, do you only think it's necessary when you get to a certain point or can you see value when back when you were managing two or three people, would you have found this valuable or would it have been overkill? Well, when I was managing two or three people, I tended to micromanage a lot. Um, you know, I had my claws and everything really. And Mm -hmm. I miss those times. Um, but this is good more so I think I would say for the new hire than it is for me. Mm -hmm. Um, because it gives them a, a, again, a a set of expectations to work towards. Um, there's nothing scarier than starting in a new place and especially depending on what point in your career, if this, if situation is your first job and you've got no expectation for, good or bad or whatever, when you're coming in into a new place, it's right out of school, it's nice to have a set of guidelines. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that when I started out. Someone basically threw me in a pool and said, here, figure out how to swim. And right. if you're not going to swim, you're out. Um, and I don't, I didn't like that feeling. And I certainly don't want to make others feel that way now that I'm in a position to make a difference. Right. No, that makes sense. The, the story I often tell is when I started here, literally, I was put at a desk with my laptop still in a box. So my first challenge was to unpack and set up my own computer, which was fun. But it, but I could see that if, if I, if that wasn't in my personality, I could feel mighty, uh, you know, kind of not cared about uh, if that was somebody's first day. So it's kind of an insurance policy for a new hire that says, look, we're making a commitment to you through at least 90 days, maybe not after, but at least through 90 days, we're going to do, we're going to operate in good faith, barring some horrible catastrophe on either side. Uh, but we are, as an agency, making a commitment to you to give you some structure and and allow you to kind of, uh, you know, have your training wheels on mm-hmm. until we get to, to the point where we take them off. And it's also saying, this is how serious we're taking your role. Yeah. And these are the things that are, that, that we expect. And, and I, and I think that, honesty, that level of transparency is refreshing Um, because you don't always see that. Not everyone has someone saying, we expect this, 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 and this the first week Mm -hmm. um, of a job. You know, you're going to learn that over time or they're going to see where to place you. But, you know, when you've got multiple designers and they kind of, you know, multiple levels of designers, I mean, there's a certain expectation and it's just nice to get that out there right right out of the gate and on paper. Yeah. Does does the concept of how deep, when you're in the interview process, do you let people know that this is what they can expect if they if they start, or is that something that they kind of encounter for the first time when they get here? They encounter it for the first time when they get here. I, I mean, I would include it under under training, you mm-hmm. know, just in in general. I, and and the way we talk about it is, it's not like my approach to explaining it isn't like this is your make or break. It's like yeah, yeah. this is a really this is a really great document to. to 
keep us all on the same page. To structure your, yeah. your onboarding. Yeah, because there's nothing – I mean, no one wants to feel like they've got this daunting thing in front of them and it just – it already makes – you know, the, there's an adjustment at a new job to begin with and then they've right. got all this other stuff. It's just – it's nice to know, yeah, do, do I need do – I, will I know how to use our project management software in 30 days? Yes, I need to know that. Right. You know? And no, you, nobody's come in on their first week and said, well, goals, I didn't sign up for this. Oh, I, you know, what is this all about? Right. Lisa, what about you? Do you uh, is, is that similar to your experience? You kind of go through this for the first time when some, on someone's first day, first week. I, I definitely usually say in an interview that in order to be successful here, you have to be a go getter. I definitely make sure I say that because while we do have things like this document that I think has helped our training, there still is elements of being thrown to the deep end of the pool here. And you guys are all nodding. That makes me feel better <laughs> because we definitely do that on media. So, and I, and I will almost always say that in an interview because, and not everyone is necessarily self-aware whether or not they are the type of person that can succeed in that environment. But I do think it's important for me to stress that it, you know, I've been here almost 11 years and it's definitely been a pattern across departments that the people who are, go-getters that like the challenge, that are going to be inquisitive and ask questions and really just step outside their comfort zone naturally, those people succeed here. People that want to hold back, they really need to wait for direction, they're not going to make it here. We're small and scrappy and and that's just kind of how it works here. Do, is there an element of the 30, 60, 90 specifically that also protects people from trying too hard? Uh, does it, does it governor, is it act as a governor on the other end as well? And I think kind of my philosophy, whenever I'm starting in a new culture or environment is kind of keep your mouth shut and your ears open, at least for a little while. Cause we've all seen that person that's come in and questions everything. And why do you do it this way? And well, where I worked, we had this thing and it was so much better than your tool. So does that also kind of help to manage the, all right, you, you know, there are no sacred cows here. You're welcome to question anything. But you know what? For the first couple of weeks, just listen and just kind of just kind of uh, take in the culture. Does that come into, rea- into play at all? Or do you welcome the, the challenges out of the gate? Uh, I don't, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Good to know. No, I'm, no, I'm much more in your camp of come and learn our processes, even if you think they're super broken, because we can definitely have a conversation about that. But first, you really got to learn and know, because you can't really say it's wrong until you really understand what we're doing. Because there might be some good parts about it, even if it's not perfect, there might be some things to glean from that, marry with this, da, da, da. And we are very open to ideas, and we want to hear feedback, but not necessarily before you've really immersed yourself in the current process. You just definitely have to know before you can be critical about it. Sometimes I, I think that that can be just a defense mechanism for someone who's insecure. If they come in and they try to tear everything down, absolutely, they might just be trying to deflect the gaze. Yeah, and then it's also like, well, then why are you here? Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You know, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I can understand the the desire to want to see be prove yourself as valuable. We all want that, right? We all want to be. You know, when we're look, somebody's in a meeting and they're looking around. Where's so and so? They need to be in this room. Like we all want to be that person, right? That somebody's asking about. So I, I think, but but 
the bet I, you know, my recommendation would be the best way to become that person is to, you, you're not going to be that person on day one. You're not even going to be that person on day 90, most of the time, unless you're like a heart specialist, you know, and then, <laughs> then you're, you have a very specific need. But if you're joining a team, uh, it's going to take time to, to evolve into understanding just what your role is. Um, it, it, one of the things, uh, is the, 30, 60, 90, ever bi-directional. We, we've talked about it as a tool to help kind of onboard somebody new. But have you guys, ha, have you ever been in an experience in kind of discussing goals with uh, one of your direct reports or someone in your department where you taught something about your management style or got some feedback after 30 days that made you think, you know what, that I, I'm going to change something about the way that I manage based on this reaction. And do you have any specific examples you can think of? Well, I, I would say that one thing you definitely learn in the first 30 days is how somebody learns. So we all learn differently. Um, some of us are visual learners. Some of us are audio learners. Some of us need to observe more. Um, so we get a really good sense, I think, of someone who needs to shadow them more, that they're really finding that a beneficial um, thing to do versus those that are given a task and actually go in and do it themselves and they learn better that way. So I think that's one of the big things that we learn and maybe we set them up to mostly do shadowing and that doesn't really work for them. And then we can kind of reverse course once we know how they learn best because up until we actually start throwing stuff at them, we don't, there's no way to know that. A lot of times people don't even know that about themselves until right. they start actually doing something. So that can, that can definitely make the, the process change a little bit once we're doing a check-in. How about you, John? Anything you've learned from the process? To be more sensitive. Mm -hmm. um, not that it makes me lower my expectation of what I'm expecting out of someone, but um, just to allow people to, to kind of grow in their own time. Um, what I've learned very quickly is you can't force someone to be – you know, something they're, they're either not or that fast. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, with creative folks specifically, they all react differently to, to being art directed or right. having someone change it or how much, at what point do you give up the art and, you know, accept that that's the way the client wanted it. So there's a lot of, you know, I don't want to say egos because it's not an ego thing. It's a, we're, you, you, your art is your design, your whatever it is you're writing. Mm -hmm. It's very personal. So when someone's commenting on it, it's it's almost a direct attack. But really, it, you know, so it's until you can get to that point where you're not offended or upset about about that kind of thing, um, you know, I've learned to to sort of shield and keep people, mm. to help them kind of grow in a bubble oh, before we really get it out there. Um, you know. Uh, so would you say that that part of the process that even and I don't want to give away any secrets but <laughs> the for people in in a creative endeavor maybe at at, at 30 and 60 and 90 days you're kind of lowering the shields slowly like in the beginning you might be very protective of somebody and say you can't kill my baby chick you know you've got to let them you know get a little bit more meat on their bones before you know you really give them the the full brunt of what might be coming? Well, I think, you know, just the general, the way things go after 30 days and they're able to see the process and see why things change. It it makes it easier. They're like, oh, I get it now. This is why it has to be different. Um, and, and they are almost not desensitized, but they're, they, it's, they, they see the inner working. So they're like, oh, I get why I have to change that now. It's not so much of a, of a struggle. Right. And, and do you, 
Last last question. Uh, do you guys uh, how open are you to participation from the person, the new hire to amending the 60 and 90 days? Do they come to the table at 30 and say, I would like to put this on there as a goal for myself for 60 or 90? Is it how collaborative is it? I haven't seen someone come to me and say, I want to add this. Mm. But in that discussion, there's like, well, you know, I really haven't been able to get a grasp on this. So this is on my sheet at 30 days, but I'm not there yet. Got it. And then we're like, all right, well, we we amend it for the 60 days or we keep setting those goals. Um, right. and, and I think there's something just being able to say that out loud without with feeling you're sort of in a safe space. So in a way that that document does kind of make – I would say it would have made me feel a little bit more protected. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa, what about you? Anybody ever come to you and say – I mean, and I know that's part of our annual review process of people setting goals for themselves is do we wait until their first year before we really focus on, you know, what are the things that you want to bring to the table or is there any of that in the, the earlier? I haven't experienced yet someone wanting to add on to the 30, 60, 90, but we certainly in the conversation, we certainly say, you know, we're happy to add things. It's not just what we want, but it's what you want as well. I haven't experienced somebody wanting to add on. I think it's tough when you're new. I mean, they want to just probably meet the expectations that are on the document. It's a lot to ask for somebody to also figure out at that time what they want to add on. And yes, it's something that is much more likely to occur at an annual. And we'll talk about, you know, goals for the next time. And the employee might say, well, I really have these goals in mind as well. And we'll work together to figure out what that final goal list is. Right. Well, Lisa, John, I want to thank you guys so much for being on the podcast today. I think it was a really interesting conversation. You guys are awesome managers. Thank you. And awesome podcast guests. So uh, we want to encourage our listeners to send us any feedback. Evaluate us. We've been around for a year, so we're a little late for the 30, 60, 90. But send us an email to podcast at situation.nyc and let us know how we're doing. Give us some goals. We'd love that. Um, we're all control freaks. We said that. So uh, we'll talk to you guys again in a couple of weeks. Lisa, John, thanks again. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, Peter.